Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time for Hit and Run with special host Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Trying to steal, but Robert has stolen 10 bags. No, that was... There he goes, throw down to second base, and here comes the run home. Everybody safe, Tim Anderson scores, and the White Sox take a 1-0 lead. Twins trying to issue a knockout punch to the White Sox here in the seventh. Up the middle, into center base hit. Minnesota takes the lead for the first time today. Taylor does a nice job of continuing to foul off pitches. He gets Zephyr to leave a pitch right in the middle part of the zone. The White Sox again are down to their final strike. On one and two. Swing and a miss, strike three. Minnesota clings to a win over the White Sox and takes the series with a chance for a sweep tomorrow. Now down 0-1 here in the fifth in his third at bat. Sayer rips that one to center, though, and that's going to fall. An RBI single for Sayo Suzuki. Ian Happ comes in to score. They get two. We get two. Knotted at five in the fifth. Here comes the 2-2 to Cody Bellinger with the bases full. He hits that Let's one go. on the right side and through. Coming in to score is Talkman. Behind him is Horner. He'll score. Sliding into third is Ian Happ. Cody Bellinger with a two-run single. And the Cubs now lead this one by the score of 7-6. Wrigley is a madhouse. The action is at the plate. Tyler O'Neill, the 2-2. Swing and a miss. Cubs win! Cubs win! Advert Ozilai saves it for the second day in a row. The Cubs come back multiple times in this game and on the strength of Cody Bellinger's four RBIs, they beat the Cardinals for a second straight day. This one a final, eight to six. Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. It is Gabe Ramirez. Happy Sunday. Hopefully you guys have woke up on the right side of bed, of the bed, and now you're ready to hear some baseball. Of course, I'm filling in for Spiegel today because, as you heard in the opening, it's too busy calling Cubs games. It's too big time for us. Yeah, I guess he's he's too good for us now. Gets no gets no hit-and-run love. Couldn't even get him as a guest on the show. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't want to bother him. We didn't yeah, want to bother exactly. him. Uh, we got Sean Sears holding down producing duties today. And we do. We got a a really good show planned for you. We will be leading you up to Cubs baseball. Uh, That begins first pitch is going to be at 1.20 p.m. Of course, the Cubs taking on the Cardinals at Wrigley Field today. Pre-game begins at 12.45 right here on the score in the Xfinity Cubs radio network. And if you're going to be at a barbecue later, maybe a late graduation party, birthday party, you know you can listen to the Cubs games on your smart speaker. So just tell your device to play 670 to score. Then you can hear Matt Spiegel and Elise Menneker give you the play-by-play and color commentary for this game while you're enjoying your Sunday mo- or Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm actually, this this shift, I don't know if I told you this, but I was, I'm supposed to be like doing my own play-by-play 
Yeah, out in Humble Park, right? That's what no, you were no, telling no, about. No. See, dude, just see. This is the this is the problem with our relationship. Just because I'm Puerto Rican, and just because you know my life has a is a lot. There's a lot of it spent in Humble Park. Does not mean that that is now the default for everywhere that That's I have what, to I go. I felt like we talked about this earlier this Dunham week. Dunham no? Park, bro. Okay. Northwest side, Dunham Park. You're talking to a suburban kid, so <laughs> you live on the north side. Yeah, but I like grew up in like Lyle, Naperville. How long have you been living on the north side? Yeah, probably long enough to know where. Yeah, that that's is. what I'm saying. Yeah. My point. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going. I was supposed to be at Dunham Park today. They have their um, midget league championships. That's what they call it. Don't don't. <laughs> Don't come at me, okay? Um, had to get that in there first. I had to say that. It's not me saying that. That's what they called it. And uh, their championship game starts at 10 a.m. So I was supposed to call the game, and then they have their trophy presentation afterwards. But got to work, you know? So the kids are crying now, and they're all sad. But I will be there right after the show. You can blame me for that. Just tell him it's Sean Sears' fault. Shady Sears is always the guy to blame in that one. But So shout-out to anybody that's headed to Dunham Park for the festivities out there. I will be out there. Shout-out to my guy, Eric Correa. He is a friend of mine since I was like 14, 13 or 14. And he runs the league out there, one of the guys that runs it. So uh, I will be heading there right after this shift at 1245. But I know there's people headed out there right now. So shout-out to all you guys. Shout-out to Dunham Park. Shout-out to all the ladies that have worked hard all year. And they get to celebrate it today. Um, uh, we have some really good guests on the show today. Herb Lawrence, score vet, is going to be hanging out with us at 940 to talk some Sox baseball. And there's a, a Pedro Grafol quote that is going around regarding Eloy Jimenez that Herb was perplexed after reading. And I can't wait to get his thoughts on just Pedro Gafol and his job, his job overall in year one as a leader of the Chicago White Sox. We'll talk to him at 940. 1040, we get to talk to John Greenberg. He wrote a really cool article about our very own Pat Hughes as he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame over the weekend. And so we get a chance to hear from John Greenberg. Then Chris Rose hangs out with us. One of my favorites. Now, Chris Rose, the first time I talked to him, I thought we had a bromance. And then the second time we talked to him, I was like, do you remember we had a bromance the first time we talked? Because it didn't hit the same. So I'm curious where, where time three takes us. I think you guys will be best friends at that point, right? It's their like, day. Like I said, the second time he didn't necessarily, we didn't have the juju the way that I wanted it to. We'll get it back. The we'll way that like back. you and I have the juju. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? See what I did there? <laughs> Shouted you out there, Sean Sears. Uh, and then Tony and Jockey hangs out with us at 12 o'clock right before Cubs baseball. Just to talk a little bit about Current temperature, current status of Cub faithfuls as the end of the month approaches. Now, I want to be very clear. I, like Matt Spiegel, love an interactive show. And it's 9 a.m. It's Sunday. Phone lines are open. The text line is open. So I would love to get the first text out of the way. 312-644-6767. Hit that phone line. Talk about... You know, the Cubs winning two out of the last three against the Cardinals. Talk about the Sox dropping the first two. Isn't it so funny? Steve Stone was on on the score last week. And, you know, going into any series, understanding what direction you need to go in as a team, it's easy to just say, yeah, you know, if we sweep the Twins, then everything's going to be like, and Steve Stone said that. And, you know, obviously he was just saying it. He wasn't predicting a, a Sox sweep. But then you get to this point where you drop the first two in in very Sox Twins fashion. Like the most Sox Twins games you could possibly have. Dylan sees Jim still lose. Lance Lynn, five runs in the first inning. It's just like that's exactly what would happen in a White Sox Twins series. So game three today, Lucas Giolito gets an opportunity to get on the bump and and have a, a bounce back game. But um we get to talk about all that. And, and and then coming up shortly, we get to hear from Pat Hughes, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame. We get to hear some of his thoughts prior to the induction as he spoke with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi earlier this week. And then we get to hear Pat Hughes, the call itself, the actual speech he gave uh, as he was being inducted. It's just really good audio, and it makes you feel good on a Sunday morning. So, again, Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel today. 
Uh, phone lines are open. Text lines are open. Uh, so you can weigh in on what you've been been seeing for the last couple of days. Let's go with the Cubs first. And the reason I want to live there is because yesterday, Sean Sears and I, we did early odds filling in for Joe Ostrowski. And we said some things that came true. You could have won some money on, on this game that the Cubs played. First thing we said was that Ian Happ would get two bags in total bases. Surpassed that. Got us some money right there. Um, Michael Fulmer did go the two innings, as predicted. And as Sean said, Drew Smiley did come in for three and two-thirds. What did you think, Sean, of the different approach to trying to get the best out of Drew Smiley by having an opener? I understood it. It was not great when Fulmer's first pitch was sent into the bleachers. Dude, 95-mile-per-hour like, fastball yeah. up in the zone, just, like, crushed it. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to avoid Twitter for a little bit. That's uh, it's not good for anyone. But um, I, I think it's interesting because Smiley is a guy, it feels like he needs to work his way into it, and he's been having a hard time getting out to like the fourth or fifth inning. So take away that first inning, that second inning maybe. Maybe not use Michael Fulmer, um, especially after he pitched the day before. But the idea is interesting, but I think it tells me more about where the Cubs are at right now. They know they need to win these games because the Cardinals cannot surpass them in the standings. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you're talking about something that can deflate your squad, it is losing or losing three out of four or even splitting with the St. Louis Cardinals at this point. Um, But when you're talking about letting Michael Fulmer start the game, the idea also is that by the time Smiley gets in, he's now facing the bottom half of the order. So Fulmer comes in, but Fulmer, unfortunately, went through the lineup once. And I think that's what Rossi was trying to get. How long will it take Fulmer to get through the the lineup once, and then I can hand it over to Smiley. And then that way, maybe it puts St. Louis in a peculiar situation because even though Newt Bar was a monster yesterday and he's like oh you want Fulmer to start the game Homer okay you're gonna bring in Juice Smiley to start the second go round of the thing I'll just lead off with a double it's like it kind of was it kind of sucked to see that especially because then you started to think to yourself well how are the Cubs going to win this game literally like three different times like all right this is it they're in now top of the third comes you know St. Louis puts two on the board and then it's, you're just thanking the gods above that Dansby Swanson's back in the lineup. I think I think if there's one thing to take away, I mean, it does suck that Jerry Young goes back down because you wanted him. Again, another missed or failed, I should say, attempt at fixing your first base problems. So Jared Young goes back down, but Dansby Swanson coming back in the lineup, especially with the way the Cubs have been playing for the last week and a half, even before the All-Star break, Dansby Swanson adds this level of validity in the middle of the lineup where there's hope when Dansby's not in the lineup, when it's a Horner, Talkman, Saya, Ian Happ kind of one through four. And then you have everybody else behind and Morrell, you know, you're hoping for success and offense. But when Dansby Swanson's in the middle, it's almost expected. He had a level of professionalism and just fear in the middle of the lineup where when surrounded by a Bellinger and a Hap and a, and a Saya, now there's expectations like, oh, this should equate to a run or, or some sort of offense, even if it comes in the form of a couple of hits without runs. And that was something that I noticed yesterday that was really cool. But again, we'll get an opportunity to, to dissect everything. Again, we'll be talking about Cubs, Sox for the rest of the Time here, again, Gabriel Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel, taking you all the way up to Cubs pregame. That's going to be at 1245, so we got a good show for you guys. Uh, the text lines are open. The phone lines are open, 312-644-6767. And after this, it's not often that, you know, a Hall of Famer is just walking amongst us and we get to hear him and see him daily. But that is the case for Pat Hughes, our very own Pat Hughes. And so, again, after this, we get an opportunity to hear from him as he spoke with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi about how he was feeling and what, was the, what is the lead-up to his Hall of Fame induction. And then we'll actually get to hear from Pat Hughes himself. Something you do not want to miss, an iconic moment 
from an iconic human being. Pat Hughes, Call to the Hall. We'll play snippets of it after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Hit and Run, filling in for Matt Spiegel on a Sunday, live and local, right here on Chicago. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Hit and Run. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. On 670 The Score. No crying. It is an absolute pleasure to be filling in for Matt Spiegel. Here on Hit and Run, it is Gabe Ramirez. Leading you all the way into Cubs baseball. Pre-game begins 12.45. Mike Esposito has the call. Matt Spiegel and Elise Meneker are uh, in the booth. They've been doing a great job all weekend long. So uh, make sure you guys are supporting them. All right? It's just like you are Pat Hughes. And the reason he's not in the booth is because he was being inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Kind of a big deal. This is a pretty big deal. People know his name. I will say this. He didn't get the actual induction until after he worked with me. That's See, <laughs> that's, he's got that Midas touch, man. Dude, you know how crazy it is to... To I mean, believe that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to believe that. I am... I love things like that. I love awards like that. I'm, I am not someone that just sees somebody get an award like that and be praised and then just glosses it over. I, I give them the ultimate respect in those moments. And I said, I tell the story often about how as a Sox fan, I used to go to, I would go to Wrigley just to watch Chris Bryant play the day games because he was the MVP. And if you respect baseball and you love baseball to think that you have the ability to watch the best player in your backyard and you go regardless of whether you're a Cubs fan or not. And when you're talking about Pat Hughes, you know, I did get to do the pre and post last weekend, filling in for, uh, as Ron Coomer was out, Zach Zabin stepped in, and then I ended up filling in for Zach Zabin. And it, it really was cool being in the booth with Pat Hughes. Everyone says how nice he is and how great his voice is, but, but it, like, even when you're there, you literally feel that. Even though I'm working with Pat Hughes, I'm in the book, I got my headphones on, and I'm like, damn, that guy's really just talking, and that sound is coming out of that man, and that's what's I'm, what I'm hearing here. You realize how far away you are from greatness from an audible standpoint. Far away. Like, he is effortlessly smooth as butter. God, and he's so funny, too. He's, he's, he's kind-hearted. He's, he's quick-witted. He's self-deprecating. It, it, it's all the right things that you want, but he's a student of the game. And he actually talked with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi last week about his Hall experience, the lead-up to it. So we're going to play a couple of those clips, and then we'll actually hear his Hall of Fame speech. We'll play some cuts from that as well. But Pat Hughes first mentioned and talked about what it was like to first get that call about the Hall. Overwhelmed, uh, astounded, uh, pleased, um, all of the above. I think grateful would be 
um, right at the top of the list also, because I do realize that the Ford C. Frick Award is a coveted and cherished individual honor, but at the same time, I realize I never could have gotten here all by myself. So I feel grateful to all of the people I've worked with, to my wife, Trish, to my family, to my friends, to my booth partners, uh, just grateful all the way around. And, and we have the greatest fans in the world with Chicago Cubs fans. I mean, even the way he describes that, it really is a humbling experience. And obviously, we've been, we were close to this whole thing. Uh, as he was getting the call, we understand people were there recording it. Just just really cool. But, you know, for someone like Pat Hughes, who's been in the biggest moments, calling World Series games for the Chicago Cubs, is something like being inducted to the Hall of Fame overwhelming? I think I'm just so pleased to be part of this amazing group of baseball announcers and the fact that I've worked with uh, some of them, Bob Euchre and Harry Carey, among others, and I listened to many of them as a child, including Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons and Bill King, the Bay Area voices of my childhood. I'm actually going to be joining them. It's, um, it's, it's a little overwhelming. It really is. But I'm very pleased. I've worked very hard to get where I am, but a lot of people work hard and do not uh, achieve this this wonderful honor so i'm i'm uh, grateful as he should be extremely grateful extremely honored but before he even stepped on the stage bernstein holmes and rahimi asked him how he even thinks he'd feel at the induction i think that uh, i will be overwhelmed bob Euchre, i saw him a couple of weeks ago when the cubs were in milwaukee and he said one thing i have to warn you uh, nobody can prepare you for that first moment that you get up there and you look out at the audience and you see all of these Hall of Fame, <laughs> Hall of Fame ball players. They're going to be staring right at you. He said it'll jar you for a moment, but you know, be ready for that because there's nothing you can ever do to prepare for that kind of a moment. But I, I'm going to have my family with me, my wife and my daughters coming in, and my younger brothers coming in from San Jose. I have a high school basketball teammate coming in. My golf buddy for the last 40 years is coming in. The Cubs are all, uh, they're going to have a great contingent. And I'll tell you what, what really makes me feel great, the fact that Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman and Mitch Rosen, the great executive producer, they're all going to be there. So it, it means the world to me that, that Ronnie and Zach, my partners every day, uh, think enough of me to want to be there and share this very, very special day. So I've got a lot of support, and there are going to be fans uh, there as well. I, I know that for a fact. Um, but I'm going to be around so many people that I love, and I'm going to be talking about a lot of people that I love and who have been important to me and, and choosing me to work for them and being partners with me and, and whatever role else they might have had. So I'm going to have a lot of love there, and uh, yes, it'll be a little intimidating. Of course it's going to be intimidating, but I love what he said. Someone let him know, hey, when you are behind that podium, there is going to be nothing but the eyes of some of the greatest baseball athletes on you. It's going to be an overwhelming moment. That for certain. Of course, Gabriel Ramirez is filling in for Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run. 670, the score, hearing some cuts from Pat Hughes as he spoke with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi earlier in the week prior to his actual induction. And then last night, let, 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 I want to talk to Sean because Sean, you were here cutting clips for Pat Hughes yesterday. Yes, sir. And so you heard all, you know, you heard it live. Mm -hmm. And as a Cubs fan, as someone who admires Pat, hearing the the speech itself, did it seem surreal or did it seem almost as if it was supposed to be? It was crazy, man, because, like, I just kept thinking, like, what I would do if I were in that situation. and Cry. Would, yeah, exactly. And I'm, like, I, he, like, he said something about, like, his wife, and how his kids made it out there. And I'm tearing up a little Cry. bit in the, in the studio. Like, I'm not going to lie. But, like, Pat, of course, like he does every time, rises to the occasion, rises to the moment, and just crushed it. Um, you know, he was just great. And you, you could just feel, like, like you do in every broadcast, how genuine 
how, how yeah. appreciative he was of this and how he understood this is a big deal. But, you know, sure, this today's about me. But like, you know, immediately he's like, you know, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, they're the players. They're the superstars. They're going in. Like, I think I think it is due no matter what. Well, because with Pat Hughes, he understands that he is a vessel. Right. He understands that he's the conductor of a train that is full of people. Right. And he understands that responsibility and he understands it well. Mm-hmm. And he understands the the importance of handling that position with care as the voice of the Chicago Cubs, the beloved Cubbies. So Pat Hughes had a bunch of highlight moments, and we'll play the whole thing in its entirety in the 12 o'clock hour. But here Pat Hughes begins or you know is, is beginning his speech talking about his journey as a broadcaster. I have loved baseball forever. Like millions of kids all over the world, I dreamed of being a big league ball player someday. I did experience the childhood euphoria of playing on multiple championship teams. I was a decent athlete, but never great. And at about the age of 17, I realized playing pro ball was not going to happen for me. But still, I wanted to make a living somehow in sports, that was my passion, professional sports in particular. Maybe coaching, possibly umpiring or refereeing, two things I did to help put myself through college, by the way. And my older brother John was taking broadcasting classes and dabbling in play-by-play, and he encouraged me to do the same. My play-by-play had a very unusual beginning. At the end of my modest athletic career, I'm playing college basketball or more accurately, sitting on the bench most of the time. One game, out of sheer boredom, I just started doing play-by-play of my own team during the game. Youngie, pull-up, foul line jumper, good again. He's got 10, Spartans by six. And then I stopped, I didn't want to be annoying. And one of my teammates said, Pat, you're not that bad, keep that going. So you could say that in my play-by-play career, the first listening audience consisted of the other bench warmers on my college team. Sort of an inglorious beginning. Now, I love, I love that he says that because most people didn't know that he played basketball or rode the bench for that matter. He is tall and lanky, so I could imagine him being a shifty guard. Yeah, little back combo in the day. guard. Yeah, you know. But, the, the, but you know. I love the story. He continues because he had a couple of funny vignettes. One was a story about Ron Santo in the booth. Now, I never knew Ron Santo wore a toupee, a hairpiece, until one night I found out. Cubs are playing the Mets at old Shea Stadium in New York, a cold April evening. In the visiting radio booth, right above our heads was this old-fashioned electric heater, the kind that glowed a bright orange when you turned it on. Ronnie and I stand for the national anthem. Halfway through the song, I smell something burning. (laughs) Then I hear something sizzling like bacon on a stove. Then I hear Santo say, shoot. I turn to look at him. Ron Santo's hairpiece is on fire. (laughs) A blue flame is shooting out the top of his head. Smoke is everywhere. I didn't panic. I kept my cool, sort of. I took a glass of water and splashed it on his head. And then he said, shoot a few more times. Now, Ron Santa was a handsome man, but also kind of vain about his appearance. His first thought was, how does it look? I lied. I said, it doesn't look that bad to me. It actually looked like a golfer. Maybe Phil Mickelson had taken a pitching wedge and whacked one right off the top of his noggin. There was a divot in the top of Santo's head. How does it look? We both thought it was very fitting that the name of the Mets starting pitcher that night was Al Leiter. <laughs> I mean, some really good stories right there, but imagine that being in the booth with <laughs> not knowing that he had a toupee. That's, that's a great story. I'm and glad then it he, catches on fire. And then it catches on fire. Like, it, this is a Michael Jackson commercial, Pepsi commercial. It's Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. 670, the score just going over some Pat Hughes moments uh, from his Hall of Fame speech. Uh, I'll, I'll end with this one. Of course, he could not 
spend minutes on that stage, on that podium, without addressing and acknowledging the Cubby faithful. And in closing, I have a note to Cubs fans. If I was writing you a letter, it might read, what an extraordinary group of people you are. I want to thank you so much for your unbelievable passion for the ball club and your support of me. When I got the call from Cooperstown last December, I, I truly think there were some Cub fans who were just as happy as I was with the news. You make me feel like I am a part of your family. You invite me to special events like graduations, bar mitzvahs, and birthdays. And I absolutely love those games at Wrigley Field, those close ball games where you fans are not just part of the ballpark atmosphere, you become part of the ball game itself, and you play a significant role in a dramatic Cubs victory. That happens four to five times minimum every single season. As a broadcaster, I feed off of your energy. Let me just say, it has been my extreme privilege to be one of your announcers for these past three decades. And before my career ends, I hope I get at least one more chance to say something like, the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Thank you. Goosebump moment right there. Right. Just because you know how big of a moment it was in, in the present when it took place, and those words still resonate now and follow him. So Pat Hughes, congratulations from all of us here at 670 The Score. He'll be back in the booth Tuesday as the Cubs face the White Sox for their Crosstown series, and that can be heard right here on 670 The Score as well. All right, on the other side, speaking of the White Sox, we get a chance to talk to CHGO's very own Herb Lawrence. What does he think of Pedro Grifol's latest comments on Eloy Jimenez? And who does he think will be the first domino to fall as the White Sox uh, look to begin their sale of some of their players? Herb Lawrence hangs out with us next on Hit and Run. It's Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Hit and Run. No way, too high. Too high? You said me too high. Too high. Not too high. Too hard. First, it was really high. Who gives a It's gone. On 670, the score. We had good at bats. We put ourselves into a scoring position. Uh, we did some good things, except one, except one game. You know, and at, at this level, bottom line is to win baseball games. You know, so um, we had a double steal that I was uh, really happy about. Um, you know, T.A. had another good game. He ran the bases really well. Robert stole the base. T.A. stole the base. Um, some good things, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't win the game. You know, all that matters is that, that, that W and the uh, win call. Oh, that elusive W that Pedro Grifold is trying to find. It's Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run right here on 670. The Score broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We do get an opportunity to talk some White Sox baseball as they look to take at least one game out of three against the Twins. Giolito on the mound today. And our next guest can help us make some sense of – actually, you know what? I don't, I don't know if he – I don't know Yeah, if that's come on. Right I was word. telling him on yeah. the phone. I was like, come on, man. You got to save them. Save the White Sox. I don't know if he's going to make sense of it. But he's, he, him and I are certainly going to have a candid conversation about this team. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino – Hotline Circuit Resort and Casino, Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Of course, you can hear him all over CHGO, and he is a, a veteran legend here around these parts. Of course, talking about Herb Lawrence. Herb, what's going on, man? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you, Gabe, too, man. Oh, goodness gracious. This team. It, it, it's funny, Herb, because, you know, you and I, we, we really do genuinely love this team. And there are moments mm-hmm. when I get on the radio here and I try, I try to have my, you know, loud voice and, and speak clearly. But then sometimes in the middle of it, I really am just like that, where I'm just like, 
uh, on the radio. <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm just like, oh my god, what is going on? <laughs> what? Why do I feel like this? What is? What is? Ha- like, where are you at in your fandom? Having to cover this team, but at the same time still be emotionally t- attached to the squad. I tell people who watch us on CHGO White Sox, like, you as a fan, if you're getting, like, frustrated with this team, if you don't like how they're playing and all the stuff that goes along with being a White Sox fan, please, don't watch. Don't listen. Don't do anything because we'll still be here on CHGO to cover those games each day. So for your mental health, step away. Don't watch this team because I was just on vacation. Beautiful. Like I would glimpse every once in a while and see the White Sox, but also I was pretty much checking out what we were doing on our vacation. So it felt like a nice breath of fresh air. But like you said, we love the team and it's tough to quit. And people just say, Hey, how about you not watch them? Or how about you not be a fan of theirs anymore? But as I always say, like, why do I got to quit? We're, I was here before Rick Huff. I was here before Kenny Williams. <laughs> That's a great point. You know, I, was, I, I want this team, which I love, to be great. And that's the, I think the frustration with White Sox fans is one of those things that I'm frustrated with the most. Knowing that they're 18 games below 500 and a year that they're supposed to be competing for the championship, not just the AL Central championship, the championship. This is the championship window. This will be getting into the World Series. But knowing that the failure of last year and the failure of this year will not cost Kenny Williams or Rick Hahn their jobs, will not cost them their jobs. Any other franchise, they would have been gone a long time ago. Anybody who wants to check out Rick Hahn's tenure, start in 2013, count till now. Count the wins, count the losses. I guarantee there will be much more losses than wins. And he's not going a damn place. And That's that, what frustrates me. That That is the frustrating part is that, you know, no one's being held accountable for the poor decisions that have been made. And as you mentioned, Herb, any other organization would have just simply moved on and said, hey, we're going to start anew, and, hey, it might cost me a couple of dollars. So what? This is what's going to happen. But here's what, I was, here's what I was struggling with yesterday, Herb. You got Dylan Cease on the mound. You know, you got what is, you know, comparably, you know, probably close to your best lineup that's out there. I guess, you know, Yoan, you know, no Andrew Vaughn in the lineup, but you no know, more or less the lineup's there. And so I asked myself yesterday this question. I said, well, whereas the Minnesota Twins just consistently beat up on the White Sox, I, saw, I asked myself, what would need to happen in this game in order for the White Sox to convincingly be the better team? Right where I where over the last couple of seasons, it seems like whenever the Sox play the Twins, it's just like it's a foregone conclusion that the Twins are better and the Sox somehow have to overcome whatever they got to deal with in order to get these victories or to be the better team. Like, what could you point to watching the games the last couple of games against the Twins specifically? What could you add? Like, what would need to what would need to be added to the team currently in its current state in order for the White Sox to be the dominant aggressor of the two in this situation. I was, it was, it was, it was, I was struggling to come up with it, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like, what would need to be added for the White Sox to just significantly be the better team? Uh, let's see. Right fielder who actually plays right field. I know Oscar Kolas is whatever. He's <laughs> he a looked bad, though. He looked bad. <laughs> really bad. But this is the opportunity they had in this offseason. It's going to go a little far, but A.J. Pollock, luckily for the White Sox, declines his $13 million option. If he accepts that option, he's a White Sox currently, right now. But they got lucky that he said, no, I want to take my $5 million and try out on the free agency market. They had extra $13 million that they weren't expecting to have. So they went out and signed Andrew Benintendi. Whatever, you like it, you don't. He's a decent outfielder. But they had enough money to go out and sign a right fielder. But instead... They say, no, we're going to get our guy who's played one year stateside in the minor leagues. Yes, Acapulco <laughs> did awesome in the minor leagues last year, one year ago. And him and a guy who's a first baseman, Gavin Sheets, to man right field for us. We've been having this problem for years. Norm Mazzara, I mean, and Inconocino was more of a DH, but they keep on bringing different people in. Adam Eaton, 
but they haven't solidified the right field spot or the second base spot, which they supplemented with Elvis Andres, who's having the year that Elvis Andres would have as a 36-year-old washed-up player. So these are the things that I would have had taken care of in the offseason that they haven't done because Minnesota's not that damn good. Yeah, Cleveland is not good at all. They, it's not like astronomical moves we're asking the White Sox to do. It's smart baseball moves. The guy on the north side right now playing center field, Cody Bellinger, available for the White Sox to take. And, yes, he probably had a more of a, a liking to the Cubs and what they do, but you, all you got to do is try to pay him more. Him playing right field, who's a gold glove center fielder, I would have had him there with his bat that he's doing this year. And if you want to flip him at, at a, a trade deadline, which I think is a mistake, is only 28, go, so be it. But at least go out and do it. But their plan to have Oscar Colas as the starting center fielder after one year in the minors in, the, in America was a flawed plan. And Gavin Sheets and Zach Remillar and Andrew Vaughn and Jake Berger and all these infielders that they throw out in right field and say, oh, it's going to be fine. No, it's not going to be fine because that's what they continue to do and they don't do it right and all these players fail. Yes, I would just, for the rest of the year, just play Austin Colas. Like, once you make that mistake, live with that mistake and let him play his mistakes out. Don't send him back to the minors. Don't play any pie over him like Zach Rimelard or uh, Gavin Chief. Play him. He's a youngster. With his season's lost. Who cares? But better in the offseason. Go and get actual outfielders to play the outfield. It's a novel concept that they don't seem to understand. It's <laughs> irritating that every year they don't understand. And I know somebody's screaming at the radio, Jerry Reinstar! Yeah. Jerry Reinstar is the guy! Yeah, you know, he, Rick Hahn's been working on this man for all, almost 20 years. He knows how Jerry operates. If he needs to get more money somehow, you have to find a way to get this player. But the way he's going about supplementing this roster is asinine. Yeah, we're talking to Herb Lawrence from CHGO here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel today. It's it's an obvious point that you make, and it seems as though it's not as obvious to those that are in charge for the Chicago White Sox, right? I mean, you're looking at a position, specifically right field, that if you had a consistent bat, someone that was playing good defense, I mean, it really would take your team to the next level. But you're right. It seems as though... They're just so arrogant. And the Colas thing is, like, uh, similar to what they did with Elo Jimenez and Luis Robert, where they just believe in their in themselves and what they think is right. And they think that mm-hmm. it'll just land. In, like, oh, we got Oscar Colas. Guys, we got Oscar Colas. What is everybody, why is everybody coming down on us? This guy, we, he was playing last year. Look, then they plug him in the beginning of the season. Two weeks later, he's back down to the minors. And it's like, that was your solution. That you you mm-hmm. guys told us that was the solution, and a, a month into the season, you then let us know that it was, it's a failed experiment with zero backup plan. That like was the biggest issue for me. Um, what do you think about Pedro Gafol? And you know, obviously, a lot of people are coming down on him for what he's doing. Do you think he's just overwhelmed by the position, or do you think he he truly believes that what he's doing is is the best for this roster, like how he's handling the team? Well, I gave Pedro the benefit of the doubt initially because I was flabbergasted when they hired him because the Kansas City Royals had him in their clubhouse for nine, ten years. And they go on and get a different guy who had been with the current GM somewhere else in Tampa and hired him over Pedro. Mm. Now, the Royals are bad, too. They're really hella bad. But, like, that tells me a lot, like, if they're in, you're in their presence every day and you already got passed up by one regime, I think he got passed up when Ned Yost got the, the head job there, or uh, Mike Matheny got the job there when Ned Yost left. And then they hire a guy over you. I'm like, why are we hiring that guy from that terrible organization? That was my first thing. But people from Kansas City and other Pedro Grafal uh, fans schooled me and say, hey, no, this guy is this, that, and the other. And I was like, all right, let me give this guy a chance. Press conferences, awesome. Starting press conferences, I was like, here we go. But during the season, the lineups make no sense. Then what he says to the lineups, like 
I'm never going to move Tim off the leadoff spot. Two days later, move Tim off the leadoff spot. <laughs> that was so weird. You know? That was so weird. You know? Like, you're going to have your test puffed out and then also college two days after. That doesn't make sense. If you don't do it, do it. Be that guy. But, like, he doesn't understand how baseball is done, apparently, and how you squint and score runs. Tim was hella bad and deserved the demotion to sixth or seventh in the lineup. He just didn't move him. That's the problem with the White Sox. They're all about, you know, not hurting feelings. That's why they don't fire anybody. You know, Todd Severson, the former hitting coach, is still in the organization. He's, a, he's an assistant to Kenny Williams. They don't fire people. They, they just don't want to, you know, ruffle feelings feathers or anything like that. Pedro Gafal with his nonsense he said yesterday about Eloy Jimenez has to play tomorrow because the game, we get the must-win game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> to what? To stave off 19 games below 500? To be 10 games behind the Minnesota Twins? What What does today's game mean in the grand scheme? Absolutely nothing. And this is the constant theme with the White Sox. They keep on playing obviously injured players on the in the lineup. They're like adverse to putting people on the IL to give them the proper rest and relaxation to get back to Major League Baseball, and when they get back to Major League Baseball, they can hit the ground running. We saw last year, Luis Robert Jr. had an obvious wrist problem where you swing with one damn hand, and they keep on playing in the lineup. Yes, Tony. Oh, man. We got him in there because he's got the glove there. His glove is still good. I don't care. You're hurting him as a hitter. He's looking terrible at the plate. We saw Aloy, two hits. He's rounding second. He's grimacing. He's going to first. He's grimacing. And then the saying, hey, we want him in there for his bat because his legs are messed up, but we'll take his bat over his legs. It's just a dumb organization that continues to do the same dumb things. Yoan Makata has been playing with a back problem through it forever, and they keep on trying to play him through it. Rest him. Let him come back and get his back problem solved. Go to a rehab start so he can hit the ground running when he gets to the majors instead of using major league games as rehabilitation starts. It's so annoying that they do this, and they wonder why these guys keep on getting hurt. It's not that they keep on getting hurt. They never get healed because the White Sox are just such a bad organization that they don't understand that bodies need time to recover. And once they get the time to recover, you can then ramp them up. Not you're hurt, you go on the I.L., you come back, and you're still hurt, but you're a little less hurt. Yeah, what a con- what, organization. What a concept of wanting to let your guys uh, heal up. All right, Herb, before I you know we got about a minute left here, uh, who do you think is going to be the first domino to fall for the Chicago White Sox? I think it's going to be like a minor deal, like Kendall Graveman or Joe Kelly going. I don't see them on the team after August 1st, guaranteed, because both of their years have been pretty good, and having a reliever on a team that is really bad makes no sense. And it's probably easier to move those guys because you could kind of get equal value for them because for the most part, Kendall Graham has been pretty steady as a White Sox. Joe Kelly's been on and off, but teams around the league see his stuff and say, hey, it's just the White Sox doing some bad stuff with them. We get him in our building, we'll be fine. But I'll see those two guys going first. Tim, Lucas, Lance, all these other people, they're convoluted because of the bad seasons they've had in the past and now some are good, some are varying degrees, it's going to be hard to judge their actual value to the team that they're getting traded to and what the White Sox want back. I'm asking, I'm seeing that Rick's asking for a lot, which he should. They're in the driver's seat. They're in the seller's market where very few people are selling. He should ask for a lot, for even for dwindling players like Lance Lynn and his last start. I, I don't see somebody really clamping down and giving the White Sox a big-time starter for Lance Lynn. I think – that's going to be like an August 1st thing. Like, he just relents and says, I can't – I have, there's no use for Lance Lynn on the White Sox. Here, have this player for something pennies on the dollar type of thing. And I don't see Tim going anywhere at all because he doesn't really have any value right now except for a team trying to buy low on a superstar, which I hope the White Sox don't fall for that. Herb, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate you giving me some time on this beautiful Sunday morning here in Chicago. My man, Gabe, thank you very much. Thank you, Sean, too. Always, Hello, brother. Score. <laughs> Our guy, Herb Lawrence, man. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. Always a great follow. Passionate as ever. 
and he has a really, really strong following. I mean, that's one thing that you can say about Herb. Uh, the people love him out there, as we do here on 670 The Score. We touched on it a second ago with Herb, and we get an opportunity to discuss it with you. And it is the trade scenarios that uh, linger around the White Sox organization. Who do you think is going to be the first piece to fall? Herb Lawrence thinks it's a smaller piece like a Kendall Graveman. Do you think the White Sox are going to make that big splash initially? Who will be that first piece to fall? Who do you think? Call us up, 312-644-6767. You can text in as well. We'll discuss the trade scenarios and possibilities for the White Sox and take your calls after this. It's hit and run. Uh, Gabe Ramirez filling in for Matt Spiegel on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.